Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Well, welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. It's been a while since the three sages all sat around the fire and talked OU stuff. Uh, I think we've been basically doing some one-on-one interviews on the main feed to bring in the cool audience. Um, but I am Peyton Guthrie, the host, uh, one of your hosts, actually, uh, joined by Matt Burden and Alan Kenny. Let's go around the horn. Uh, ESPN, don't sue me. Uh, Matt, how's it going with the slush fund hat from Vanessa House? Looking clean, looking very sharp, yeah, looking I'm a lot of fun. I'm repping Vanessa House today. Decided to rep the brand, but um, but doing well, man. Doing well. Had, had a uh, early tea time this morning. Went golfing with some buddies, and then just been hanging out since then. Just relaxing, uh, getting ready for this week of work, man. So ready to get this ready to get this going. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've all been. Uh, together here so I'm, I'm looking forward to it i'm excited how about you alan how's it going on the east coast oh not bad i uh, went to cedar point it's in sandusky ohio it's a uh you know uh, amusement park type thing uh, mm-hmm. sandusky left a, a lot to be desired but the park was nice and uh you know been back uh, home this week just kind of uh taking it easy you know uh, going over uh, all the uh, great media day stuff from the big 12 I do want to ask before we jump into this, uh, what is the temperature like out there this week coming up? Because it's supposed to hit 111, 112 in, yeah. in Oklahoma. Not on that, man. Not that. It's it's. I mean, it's warm here and humid, but nothing, nothing nearly as bad as what you guys are seeing right now. Now that might come for us a week or so later as it kind of you know shifts mm-hmm. east. But uh, no, for now we're 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 definitely not in that uh, scorching range you guys are. Goodness, man. Matt, are you how are you going to survive this heat wave, dude? Dude, I don't know, man. I I was uh, even golfing today. I'm surprised I even went. Like I'm surprised I even went out there, man. Because the last couple of holes we got done around like two forty five three, and the last couple of holes I was I was dumping the water on my on my head like I was. I went full on, like, I don't care at this point. I'm just trying to cool off. Anyway, I can't. Well, did you yeah, guys what, see, too, Braden Willis, when he put out the – he had a tweet today about how they're going to be doing workouts. Yeah, God, yeah. man. Oh. No way. No way. That's insane. Like, uh, luckily for me, I'll be I'll be in Kansas City on the 19th uh, through the 21st filming um, a story about James Winchester, former uh, Oklahoma mm-hmm. Sooner, uh, now a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, long snapper. 
uh, signed a $3 million contract. I, I think that's pretty good for a long snapper. Uh, uh, talking to him, he's, he's a, a Choctaw tribal member, so we're putting together some stories about him and his successes. Uh, but I'll be a little bit north, so it won't be so – hopefully it won't be 110 degrees. I, I have to try to get five miles in, um, but hopefully it won't be that bad. Uh, but now that we've talked about uh, the local weather, uh, Big 12 Media Days, another hot topic, the Big 12 Media Days. You've got um, Brent Venables proving maybe uh, de- definitively why OU isn't clamoring to get him in front of as many major news cameras as possible. Uh, <laughs> he talks kind of like my granddad in a way, where it's like just mixing and matching as many uh, uh, parables and uh, comparisons as he possibly can. Uh, but what do you guys think about blowing and going, man? Are we, are we here for it? Are we getting T-shirts made? That's how we beat the heat. That's how we beat the heat. <laughs> stick the water hose stick the water hose in our mouth and we just right, start blowing right and going man. And god man the whole thing i'll tell you like i knew we were going to be talking about this before uh you know when we were going over the show notes and everything so i had watched uh gone through everything and i mean so many of those answers venables was given like at one point someone asked him you know did the typical so why did you pick oklahoma when you had all these other opportunities and he did the whole like he was doing all the stuff about oh the stability and you know the standards of excellence but like at one point he was talking about the combined record of all the media day attendees from ou playing in jerry world you know and stuff like that and he's like we've got a seven and one overall record here and like i was just like where is this going man but uh He's uh he's certainly got a lot of uh he's he's enthusiastic. I'll give him that much, man. Yeah, that his his rambling kind of talking uh let I don't know if you saw the uh the, it's called like a college football message boards or something. Uh the Texas poster <laughs> saying like a uh, Brent Vimbles is too much of a rambler to be a good leader, unlike Sark and stuff like that. So it it's it's we're in peak off season and people are picking out if you're gonna be a successful head coach on your media answers. Uh yeah, but yeah, I mean, he's the, the stuff he talks about. It's just kind of, I think it's something I mentioned early on. Is like get ready to embrace some of the cringe. I mean, he's 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 from the Dabo school of bring your own guts and all that type of stuff. I mean, you, you had the uh, the tweet after the uh, the All Big Twelve um, or no the uh, Big Twelve uh, it All Big Twelve team was noted uh, turned out the official football count tweeted out the. Uh, dirty hard work during in the dark or something yeah <laughs> it's uh you can tell the direct quotes from him but it, it's like you need to copy edit him just a little bit like if, if, you're I, gonna, I, if you can just clean it just a little bit i picked up when i picked up when i was watching i didn't want to prostitute myself i've got that one you know direct quote like just on and on man yeah i think he's playing i think he's he's big braining everybody. I think he just doesn't want to answer a ton of questions. So he's like, I'm just going to ramble on and ramble on. And by the time I'm done in this 30 minute presser, they're going to ask me three questions and be, I'll be done. I think he's just, he's just, you know, he's like, I don't want to answer all these questions. So I'll just keep rambling on. It's a little bit of like the Jimbo, uh, Jimbo Fisher kind of a thing where it's like, I'm just going to start saying a bunch of random stuff and tell a little, country stories and you're thinking you're getting like man he's talking i'm getting a lot of good stuff and you really look at it it's like he didn't say anything that really mattered uh the the thing that i i do like i mean 
just just the candidness he does have. I mean, he obviously Brent's extremely excitable, extremely excited to be back at Oklahoma, be the head coach of Oklahoma of this 128th edition of the Oklahoma team. Um, but the thing that I do like hearing is how he talks about. I, I, I wake up at night thinking about this stuff. I I think about the SEC every single day. I think about the amount of work we have to do. I mean, he never seems like someone who's. I don't know. He, he doesn't seem like someone who's like resting on his laurels to a certain degree. You know, he, he does seem to understand the mountain he has to climb and does seem to be at least at this point in time, willing to take that on. Um, but it is a marked difference from the rest of the head coaches there. And everyone kind of, maybe him and Aranda are a little the same, just it just maybe a different tone of voices, like storytelling type stuff. I mean, but I mean, do you think he ever calms down? I mean, he's 50 now. I mean, is he just this him? Or do you think in the coming years he starts to become a little more PR coached? Yeah. Uh, yeah it's funny. I was actually listening to a solid, uh, pardon me, no, Split Zone Duo a podcast mm-hmm. earlier today, and they were talking about PJ Fleck and how he's got that, you know, obvious persona to him. And they, they were saying, like, that's he's not putting that on for the camera that's really how he is behind the scenes which makes him kind of hard to work for at times you know i i don't know what brimbles what venables is like behind the scenes but i mean this would be a hard act to put on you know what i mean just like to channel all that energy for uh for one point for for these uh you know few hours i mean some people that's just how they're wired and you know that was that was the impression that i get from him yeah just like some of these coaches are just larger than life personality types you've got a old ball coach what was his name florida south spurrier, carolina spurrier, yeah. spurrier i mean just said all kinds of crazy stuff all the time loved can't spell mm-hmm. citrus bowl without ut i mean it's I mean, very much so barry switzer type stuff or, or there's a there's a quote the uh, tony kornhauser podcast they play from him um sometimes at the end of it he's like five and seven well weren't very good we aren't the worst you know (laughs) it's uh he's just they're just good for quotes it seems like brent's gonna be that type of guy he's just always gonna be good for quotes but another quote worthy thing that kind of helps us out since we always have to hear about all these other players who transferred out uh marvin mims on the record i mean this has already been written about but now from his own mouth in front of camera saying he was going to transfer out if lincoln riley had stayed the head coach and that you know levy and brent was able to talk him back into it and he, he does a pretty good job kind of like tight roping just it kind it came down to system came down to targets came down to how he's being featured i mean how do we think how do we i mean should we be waving the flag for this should we be like hey we got one of them to stay <laughs> type of a thing um or i think alan you're kind of talking about it before we started recording this team was going to look re- massively different regardless of who was head coach yeah i think that it's easy to kind of look at all the players who left OU or who transferred out after uh, last season and kind of focus in on that. And, you know, as, as a big byproduct of what happened with Lincoln Riley leaving, but the other way to think about it too, though, is had Riley stayed, you know, the team still would look very different just because it's like something chemistry wise between him and the players last year, just totally got side went sideways. I mean, Mims has talked about how he was going to transfer out. I'm um, Braden Willis has said his plan before mm-hmm. uh, he talked to uh, talk to the new staff was uh, to go to the NFL draft. I mean, I've, I'm pretty sure Jaden Hazelwood still would have left regardless of whether or yeah. not 
uh, you know, Riley came in or probably Riley stayed. Um, so, you know, it's, to me, it's just kind of a reminder, like the team still would have had a lot, you know, a lot of personnel turnover, no matter what. Yeah. Basically all the, all the exact same issues you could point to for OU because yeah, Stogner is going to be leaving anyway. Yeah. Stogner Rattler Rattler, is going to be leaving yeah. anyway. You're going to lose all these guys. The only person you would have stayed had the only two you would have had at that point in time would be Williams and oh, I guess the, the two, the, the Williams duo. Yeah. Um, and those are the only two players of note that have, you know, would have stayed potentially. And you still would have had the exact same issues this team faces. Un, you know, uncertainty on the offensive line, uncertainty on the defensive line to a certain degree. And then you've got a back end that needs to be, you know, back end of secondary that needs to be figured out and then extreme thinness on the running back depth chart. Those are all the exact same questions that, oh, you still needs the answer um, regardless of who the head coach was. So, I mean, that, but it is nice to be able to say, hey, Marvin Mims, who's being kind of like, in my mind, in my mind as a college football receiver, seems to be somewhat getting a certain level of disrespect. In just my opinion as an Oklahoma fan, he's not really on any of these lists. He's, I mean, there's a lot of guys who are being put over him, and maybe my OU crimson glasses are kind of like blurring some of that. Because, I mean, if you look at him, he's probably not going to be extremely highly drafted uh, in NFL, just size-wise and everything. And you've got Worthy, you've got the TCU wide receiver, a uh, couple other guys who you'd look at and say, yeah, those are those are NFL dudes. I don't know if Mims kind of fits that full mold, but it's really hard for me to look at Marvin Mims and say he's not at least second team, third team wide receiver in Big 12. Um, it, it just seems kind of he's kind of getting, I don't know, passed over to a certain degree on some of this stuff, but it's it's important to hold on to your best wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one position I know that, you know, when you look at where does experience, you know, returning experience matter, uh, wide receiver is one that actually the numbers and, you know, advanced stats say that it's that's an important one to have. Um, so, you know, getting that kind of continuity there certainly is a, is a big deal um, going forward for this year. Yeah, that's it's just the thing. I mean, like, because I don't know if OU has a quote unquote game changer skill position player outside of Mims at this point in time that's been somewhat proven. Um, I mean, Farouk could step up. Stoops is going to get a lot of catches, or at least a lot of balls thrown at him in this system. But Mims is going to be your home run guy, more or less, unless somebody emerges out of nowhere or, you know, Fonte Barnes becomes a stud running back <laughs> freshman number one. It's going to be the Mim show. I mean, he needs to get a 90 plus targets over this season and it's just throw to him every single time. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice that Levy was able to get him to stay, kind of keep him in here and show him what he was going to do. And it does seem like there's going to be potential of him to, to fully grow out. Um, and then you had Ethan Downs showing up. There's always seems to be like a, a fanness of picking out who goes to these media events. Who mm-hmm. There's always like little picking and choosing what's going on. The quarterback's going to go unless there's a competition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I quote, unquote, no one could hear that. It's a horrible podcasting quote, unquote, competition. Um, but now you have Ethan Downs um, down there as a sophomore. Do we read anything into that, into Ethan Downs showing up as a sophomore on the line, on the defensive line, which needs guys to step up? Um, or do you think he's just really good at being a coach talker? I put a lot into it. Uh, I mean, you don't just, you don't just pick that as someone who's a sophomore to go down to that kind of thing. You know, uh, 
without really having a, I mean, kind of a, an idea like this is a player who they're going to want to feature. Um, I, on top of that, you know, you could also look at it as them saying like, this is a reward for someone who worked really hard in the off season. That's one thing that you hear a lot. Uh, and that would fit a lot with what uh, has kind of been communicated about downs from the coaching staff that, you know, he's um, really diligent worker, you know, kind of the, the kind of guy you want to have uh, on the team in your locker room. And, uh, you know, going back over to some of the stuff that I've looked at from last season, he stands, stands out more uh, looking at that, you know, just in terms of motor and, uh, you know, his, his kind of drive on every, every down really uh, stood out to me, you know, as the kind of guy who could really, I think, take some big steps forward this year. Yeah, he, I read into it a little bit too. And I think I'm with you, Peyton. I think it's the best of both worlds. I do think he's going to play a lot and be um, relied upon a lot this season. But also, I think a lot, a big part of it too about bringing guys down to media days is okay, who's a guy that's going to contribute and who's also a guy that's not going to say anything stupid <laughs> and at, these, at these press conferences? Like, I think everything we saw from Ethan Downs, it's like, yeah, he's, he just seems like a good hardworking kid. And it, he talked a lot about his faith too. So, you know, he's just not going to go out there and say anything dumb. I think that plays into it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it plays into stuff and it makes me a little worried about, I say worried. I think you have to play in, I think you have to read into it down. I mean, he's, he's, he fits that mold when he was out there, he did run around a lot. <laughs> he was chasing plays around, had that activity level, but like that position that was kind of I mean, down to was kind of a little more stand up. I was really hoping to see a lot more Clayton Smith and that type of stuff. And if I'm reading into that, I'm thinking, oh, you know, it's downs now ahead of him. Is he going to be playing more? Are they going to be in separate positions? How's this play out? And you kind of start, you know, future casting depth charts and stuff and figuring things out. Uh, Cause it made sense. Dylan Gabriel's going, makes sense. Marvin Mims, who should be your best player on the team. Uh, Woody Washington, your best secondary or best defensive player period. And then you've got downs. If he's in there, because you still have, you know, you've got Redmond, you got JJ. I mean, maybe the line is in a better place than what I'm thinking about, but it's July. <laughs> I'm, trying, mm -hmm. I'm trying to like, you know, I'm drinking the tea, then spilling the tea leaves out and trying to move every stuff around. Uh, I need to pause real quick. I need to, we got a breaking news pause real quick. Uh, Cade Horton, pitcher from Oklahoma, just got selected seventh overall to the Chicago Cubs Ooh. in the uh, MLB draft tonight. So shout out to Cade Horton. Norman High and uh, OU pitcher going seventh overall to the Cubs. Congratulations. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Big day for him. Yeah, he's going to get – I mean, I, I for, I've forgotten hey, how all this paid. works. Yeah, I was say, I've forgotten how much this works from the Kyler stuff. How much does the first-round draft picks get paid? Do they get paid big money off the top, or is it like he's got to ride the bus? Their signing the bonus is huge. Yeah, okay. their signing bonus will be huge. That's where the majority of the money comes from. But, but yeah, it'll be he'll he'll he's not going to be hurting for money. Well, good. Well, maybe we can pick him up as a sponsor pretty soon. Kate, right. I've, I've always supported you. Yeah. <laughs> it was a shame you got pulled. You could have had it. <laughs> Go spend your money. Uh, and then probably the team that always. Uh, It'd be nice if we can get like a breaking news segment pop in there. And then as the team that always seems to do great at the, at the media days, 
the University of Texas, they seem to be really fucking confident about what, <laughs> what, it, what they're walking into. I mean, um, they, they've got national championship odds. <laughs> it's everything. I mean, what is this? I mean, what is going on? I mean, is it just a, a certain mindset? Like once you're in those positions or anything that you just think, Hey, we're, we're, we are the university of Texas. This is it. There's nothing that's going to get in our way. I mean, Matt, Matt, you, you've, you've, you've had to pick uh, host some of this stuff on like the franchise and like you've guys had to cover this stuff. I mean, have, have you had to, have, what, what do guys come back after they talk to Texas guys? I mean, what do they think? <laughs> well, obviously Texas thinks highly of themselves. As we saw from uh, DeMarvion Overshone this week. I yeah, mean, they just God. think a little bit highly of themselves. Um, I don't know. That, listen, it, I, I think I'm in the camp with a lot of OU fans. We're in the same camp. I'll believe Texas is back when I see it, like as far as any of this stuff goes. Um, I didn't think Sark was – like, I don't know. Everyone, like, was liking Sark well, – as everyone Texas fans were liking what Sark had to say in his like big press conference and stuff like that, but he really didn't say much. Like he was saying, or it will compare and contrast to the sec move question for both of them. I, I think Brent was more on the side of like, yeah, well, we're just going to focus on what we're doing this season. Like we're going to, and you know, we'll, we'll worry about that when it comes to it is basically what it was like. We got to win the big 12 first, basically mm-hmm. is what he was saying. Yeah. And Sark was saying basically that he, um, he was saying, yeah, I've definitely been trying to cater this move to the SEC, like tailor our roster for it. And everyone was loving what he was saying. All he said was, yeah, we're, I'm tailoring our roster because we want to be big in the trenches, uh, fast on the edges. I'm like, that's, that's everyone. Everyone's trying to do that. That's not like, <laughs> that's yeah. not some groundbreaking, like, oh man, Sark's figured out this. <laughs> like, no, everyone's <laughs> trying to do that. So I was like, all right, whatever. But yeah, good. Good for Texas. Yeah, they'll, they'll be back uh, in the off season this July. July, they're back. Tale as old as time. Yeah, th- th- that questions always seem to kind of like it's the idea of uh, we've we've got to maintain this roster stuff. We have to figure this stuff out. And I don't know if it truly has anything to do with. It, it maybe I'm just being super super like naive about this stuff. I mean, there's like the Big Twelve roster type, and there's like an SEC roster type, and a big. Like, no, I'm mean, in my mind, it's like the SEC roster type is just they have a lot of the really good players. So the roster but naturally is different. And the Big 12 is having to kind of put this stuff together in certain ways. Of course, they don't have as many giant freaks on the edge or something like that because they're not getting them. You just look at the mm-hmm. NFL draft. It's not happening. I don't know if it's like all of a sudden Brent Venables like wakes up one day, cracks his fingers and says, all right, let's start recruiting some five-star linemen now that we got to do this SEC recruit. I mean, just yeah, we would be getting like- those anyway. It's like my whole thing is like everyone's act- acting like Sark cracked the code. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, recruit all the best players. Yeah, oh, great. And also, like, that's been Texas's problem is they haven't been getting recruits. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's the part. And I think I think you're right, Peyton, to the extent that like you know this whole idea of oh, well, we build our team around you know the defensive line versus uh, you know the secondary. It's like stop, 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 stop everybody everybody wants five-star defensive linemen like if you can get them you get them you build your team around them because they are in such short supply 
you, you, the only place you can get them is really in SEC country anymore. Like that's, that's the part where, you know, I mean, I guess you can, you know, part of the reason why I think that, uh, you know, Venables did really well with this, this staff is that he did focus on guys who can recruit the Southeast in particular yeah. defensive line coach, Todd Bates. Um, you know, it's, but it, I, I just, the idea that OU, you know, had, hasn't been able to stack up on the lines for lack of trying or Texas hasn't been able to stack up for lack of trying to me just doesn't really hold much water. It's, it's, it's it, maybe it's just like, cause again, too, I, I always thought this way too, of like, well, there's big 12, it's more tactical. It's more, this, it's a higher pace of play. And it's like, well, those things happen because they had to happen. Like, it's <laughs> like, you have to do these things. And OU moving from a four down to a three down, uh, you know, late stage Bob was because you just weren't getting enough big dudes. I mean, like it just right. has to happen that way. Now, was it smart at the end of the day for the university of Oklahoma, the, I repeat that the university of Oklahoma to kind of wave a white flag a little bit on the recruiting. Yeah. That was probably a mistake at the end of the day. Yeah. Cause Oh, you shouldn't be waving a flag, that white flag when it comes to that stuff. I mean, Oh, you needs to walk into every single room thinking we can get these guys. Um, and that seems to be a little bit what how Brent's kind of taking this stuff. Like, Hey, we're going to be able to get the guys we need in here. And I mean, honestly, we're going to segue right into it. Honestly, in this, the, uh, since the start of July, it seems like OU's kind of gotten whoever they needed to get <laughs> so far. Mm. I mean, I, I, I think at the moment, uh, OU, according to 24-7, it's a top 10 class uh, right on the edge, um, and they've picked up seven recruits in the uh, the month of July. I mean, moving up from, uh, I think it was like mid-40s or something like that, to top 10 in just uh, like 17 days. It, it's going to be hot. It seems like it's going hot and fast. I remember having Ryan Chapman on. He said they broke down some numbers and stuff for like for SI Sooners and saying the, the first recruiting class for a head coach is how they recruit or is how, you know, is kind of the level. Like they don't really bump up much higher. They don't really bump down much lower. This is kind of who they are. So this first recruiting class is extremely important for OU fans to look at to say, is this who, o, who OU is under Brent Venables? And it looks like it's a top 10, top eight, top seven type of class. Um, are the fruits of the labor of the just wait on it stuff starting to really kind of pay off? I mean, or is there anything that's left to be desired in y'all's minds when it comes to where OU is recruiting wise? I mean, we're not necessarily yet, but it does seem we're getting more Florida kids, you know, more Missouri kids, more North Carolina kids, you know, getting into that Eastern seaboard. Is there anything else you guys would like to see out of the staff? Well, we just talked about the defensive linemen. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, there are no uh, big, really big name defensive tackles in this group yet. Um, I think that OU's going to end up being okay. Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the thing up here, and it says you could have network connectivity problems. Oh, he was trending well for uh, Derek LeBlanc. Uh, you saw him post uh, today, uh, the 17th of July, his little shout out and everything, his dad wearing the OU jersey and him as a kid wearing the OU jersey so there's a lot of people trending that way um 6'4 270 it does seem like he'll be playing inside himself he's a top 100 player um but still just I mean still just a four-star four-star player um it's just going to be hard for OU to really break into that five-star defensive lineman type of group as long as 
Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson uh, exist in their current iterations. I mean, um, that's where it's at. I'm going to toss one at you, Alan. All right. When when does the uh, Clemson foundation start crumbling? I mean, is it two years, three years, four years? Uh, That's a great question. I mean, I I look at it. They've been taking it. I mean, taking a lot of hits, and you know, the internal promotions don't always work out so well there on the coaching staff. That is the the thing is, is that Clemson is still. Uh, you know, vis-a-vis the ACC, the top dog there. I mean, they're still positioned to be the uh, number one team in that conference. You know, the interesting thing is going to be really watching what happens when the money really starts kicking in the other conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, then there might be a real issue for them, and just, you know, because I don't think that uh, they've never really struggled to um, – stay competitive on the recruiting circuit or, um, you know, bring in those donations to uh, build a lot of facilities or whatnot. But after a while, uh, you know, the, the revenue gap will catch up with them. I mean, I see them having, you know, kind of, kind of gradually eroding over time and then potentially maybe taking a, a bigger hit. Yeah, I mean, if they can't get out, if they cannot get out of that grant of rights, if the ACC doesn't dissolve, I think that's the only way they could get out. If it were just completely blow up, it's it's going to be rough. I mean, you're looking at. I think they brought in like 40 million or maybe 50 million at the, the top. I know they didn't bring in 50 million. They're I think they're behind the Big 12. Uh, it's it, it's just going to keep separating, keep separating. Uh, but I mean, as you said, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the 2022 recruiting. So we've got one, two, three. Uh, Wow, it's different. Uh, in 2022, only three SEC teams are in the top 10 of recruiting. If you add OU Texas, it becomes uh, five. And then right now, 2023, still super early. There's only one, two, three, four. There's five again. So I guess I don't know. But there's I mean, Miami's – all of a sudden, Miami's playing. All of a sudden, Miami's throwing a lot of money around. Uh, yeah. That's Clemson's throwing a lot of money around trying to get their recruiting. Notre Dame, all of a sudden, is a cool school. All of a sudden. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, it's because of uh, Freeman – but they're the number two uh, in the recruiting class right now with a point total of 285, according to 247, uh, which would have been uh, – if they stopped recruiting right now, it would have been f- number five last year. So it, it, Clemson's case is like top dog in ACC could be separating vis-a-vis, like not in, the, not in one of the winners' conferences. <laughs> yeah. But also it's just the ACC seems to be trying to get this act together. Um, maybe just like how some of the Big 12 teams like Texas Tech announcing all their facility upgrades and the, and the major donations stuff they're getting, it does seem like all these other schools are going to start trying all of a sudden. And so I wonder where a team like Clemson is going to be able to survive. I think it's, it's great. Well, yeah, it's great when you're in a, a league where it's like everyone's kind of fucking around. <laughs> now it seems like they're in a league where people are thinking like, oh, we have to, we have to get our prom dress on. To a certain yeah. degree, um, it, it'll be interesting to how all that stuff uh, plays out. But I do want to talk real quick about Notre Dame and everything. How do we start talking to our young young children about a cool Notre Dame? <laughs> That's I mean, a great question. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, 
you know, this is one of the things that I actually brought up uh, on one of our Patreon shows with Stephen Goffer. You guys should definitely, if you haven't subscribed uh, to that, do that. Um, but the, you know, part of the reason why it seems like maybe um, you has been on Lincoln Riley leaving OU as opposed to Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame is because Notre Dame did the most un-Notre Dame thing possible in who they hired, you know, a young black assistant to come up. Uh, you know, he's clearly, you know, killing it on the recruiting trail. Um, we'll see, obviously, how long that kind of lasts and hold up holds up. We'll see what the team looks like on the field this year. You know, that's kind of the one thing with a lot of these hot starts in recruiting that you always, I kind of try to, you know, keep an eye on a team like Notre Dame, if they, you know, end up falling short of expectations this year. uh, I mean, you know, they're going to, it's certainly going to start raising questions about whether or not Marcus Freeman was ready for this job. Um, so, you know, and then you start, then you get into the negative recruiting cycle. Uh, but you know, I don't know for right now. I mean, the other thing about it too, is it feels like Notre Dame kind of holds the future of, uh, you know, kind of college football in its hands in terms of alignment, just because they're really, I mean, they're going to be dictating the next moves in, uh, among the conferences going forward. Yeah, and it does kind of suck for Freeman too. I mean, he starts his his career off of a loss to Oklahoma State. Not his, I mean, you could say not his full team or anything like that, but then he gets kick off the season. Ohio State yeah, goes Ohio in the town. State. Like it, yeah. that does kind of suck. Yeah, now, of course, it did. They, they can roll through the rest of that schedule. It seems decently. I mean, you've got some maybe some complicated games with North Carolina, BYU, Clemson, obviously, USC, but they should be able to roll through most of that schedule pretty unscathed. Um if Tommy Reese can kind of get his stuff kind of figured out, but yeah, I mean, it, it does. Yeah. 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 I mean, no, there's stuff, no Dame stuff. I mean, they hold the keys to college football. I mean, and I was listening to the solid verbal one because uh, you, you mentioned them earlier, but you meant split zone. Uh, I listen. Uh-huh. Um, they, I can't remember who they had on, but they're talking about the, the changing of the tide and like who the big, who the sec was looking for, the big 10 was looking for uh, to try to combine. And they had mentioned the, uh, uh, Georgia Tech as well, like bef- this first round of uh, realignment, they were looking at Georgia Tech, and that was a team that Rob Bowron, uh, Beta Rank, uh, Beta mm-hmm. Rank Sports, who is uh, on our Patreon again. If you guys want to support uh, through the keyhole through Patreon, it's super easy. It's Patreon.com/slash through the keyhole now for four dollars a month. Um, and he mentioned, hey, look at Georgia Tech. That seems to be a team that they would want to pair with Notre Dame. Um, it would really help the ACC to figure out their stuff <laughs> if someone started poaching their teams. Um, well, but yeah, but like, no, does Notre Dame want to take Georgia Tech? You know, I mean, I, I feel like if if Notre Dame's going to do anything here coming soon, um, you know, right now they've got they can ask for a lot, right? True. I mean, so if if they, I mean, I'm not sure how how strong they feel about Georgia Tech. I think that they just as soon say, well, we want to bring Stanford, you know, because they like they yeah. like having that West Coast uh road trip once a year or, or around thanksgiving either playing stanford or usc every year so that kind of thing would be the kind of that i think that negotiating over and you know potentially keeping that kind of exclusive time slot there with nbc so mm-hmm. yeah that that is that would be the only sticking point i for some reason i have it just kind of stuck in my head that gt would be a good take for the big 
for the Big Ten. I mean, you get into Atlanta, I the airport's it there. Yeah, it's you're absolutely. right there. But yeah, if, if Notre Dame says, nah, we don't really want them, <laughs> that's where yeah. it is. And you know, is Phil Knight calling Notre Dame like, let's get you on the Nike deal? <laughs> let's get this all figured out. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, buddy, buddying up to everything. Um, it, it should be, but I don't know. I, do, do we think we've got another year before anything happens again for the realignment stuff, or is this like the uneasy uh, calm before Notre Dame makes the last final move? I mean, I kind of feel like Notre Dame. I mean, the Big Ten is going to be wanting some resolution relatively quickly. Now, Notre Dame doesn't like getting pressured or pushed into anything. Um, so, you know, I, I'm personally, I'm hoping that Notre Dame stays independent just because the more, <laughs> as much as I, I might find Notre Dame distasteful, I do like that they have their own thing. You know, I mean, like, this, they're like, this is what we do. And the idea that they get kind of backed into a corner by the Big Ten to me, I, I mean, it just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't sit right with me. Um, so, I mean, long, long, long story short, uh, I think that if I had to guess, we don't hear much more about Notre Dame until maybe next year, um, just because of kind of the institutional, um, culture there and uh, the way they like to be perceived. Um, but you know, and that's if they're going to move to the big 10 anytime soon. Do you think that it, is going to get to a point where it not hurts Notre Dame because they're never going to be hurting financially, obviously. But do you think it gets to a point, I'm sure they're crunching numbers and doing all that. Do you think it gets to a point where it is financially dumb to not join one of the conferences, one of the Big Ten or SEC, just because of how much money they're going to be making? Well, I mean, I'd argue it's financially dumb for them not to join the Big Ten right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've been giving up they've honestly been giving up money on that TV contract uh, with NBC for a long time, but you know, there's a, a second prestige. order. Effect. Yeah, exactly. Prestige there's, there's a, yeah. yeah. There's a second order effect of that too. Like, you know, how would that affect alums, you know, feelings about the program, that type of thing, you know, or, you know, even more too. I mean, you know, they've got donors just like everybody else that, you know, maybe that would, have maybe told them behind the scenes something you know like you know the hell you're going to join the big 10 you know we like we like what we're doing i I don't know um but you know those are the kinds of things i think that if there's going to be any kind of real pressure point for them it would be uh how the postseason shakes out and what kind of qualifications are out there um if you know you see more teams that are uh, you know, if they say, okay, we're taking like half the field has to win your conference. Well, then that's a, that's a, that's a potential pressure point there for Notre Dame. So that's what I'd be looking at. I mean, yeah, the university of Texas murdered the big 12 just to get like a, a weird knockoff version of having its own network, mm-hmm. you know, compared to what Notre Dame has, like we have our own deal, our own thing, you know, other, these other schools would, you know, drag themselves across hot coals to be able to get their own thing without having to team up with other people um but yeah i mean it noted it, it, it regionally it makes sense everything makes sense the amount of rivals they play these teams they play michigan they play michigan state they play ohio i mean it, all, it just makes mm-hmm. sense they have the connection with the west coast of usc and stanford just like the big 10 does with the rose bowl tie-in just it doesn't make any sense whatsoever why they wouldn't join the big 10 but if you kind of look at 
to look at the conferences they've been agreeing with some of these ins and outs and playoff talks. Notre Dame has been siding with the SEC a lot recently about how some of these things have been going on. And, you know, one, it would be, it would be a very Notre Dame ish type thing just to say, you're, you're all telling us we have to go like when they joined the AC, quote unquote, joined the ACC. It was stupid for them to do that. In my opinion, uh, that to have some sort of entanglement and entangle themselves in the mess of that, but they did it. It seemed like just to kind of thumb their nose at the big 10, what if they did it again and join the SEC or something along those lines? Because it's you're picking NBC. I mean, you're picking uh, ESPN or you're picking Fox. And it's like, who would you want to be? Like, who do you want to get paid by to a certain degree? Yeah, I mean, like, is well, you know, the Big Ten will probably try to split their media rights deal up with multiple carriers. You know, yeah. And so I think that part of what the thought is here is that you know you could continue to do Notre Dame's deal with. NBC and just make that part of the Big Ten's TV package. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you so yeah, but uh, so in that sense, you know, I mean, they kind of already are in bed with uh, both Fox and ESPN just based on who they who they play rivalry wise. Uh, so going forward, but yeah, no, there's a, certainly, I mean. It, that kind of makes you know the idea of going all in with if they were if they were going to go SEC then you do have to go all in with the SPN right so uh, yeah. to extent yeah that's that certainly makes sense and I guess I mean I was listening to uh, the press box which is a, a podcast that I really enjoy it's got the masked man and um, uh, David Shoemaker and I cannot remember the other guys but basically let's talk about being uh, sports writers mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, covering sports and they had Paul Feinbaum on talking about his career and his life and everything and being where he is and like how everything kind of exploded and honestly I kind of thought he had been more famous longer but he's basically like the the thing that really got me to where I am is a guy called in and said he'd poisoned all these trees <laughs> like, yeah like before that he wasn't really much then he blew up right after that um, so I was like, man, it really was just like 10 years ago that dude's life completely changed. Um, but he was, he kept getting asked like, what could destroy college football? And he's like, well, it's not the like, people are already on board of paying these kids to a certain degree. They've always kind of understood it's happening, you know, under the table boosters and everything. Uh, but the relevance, he, the relevant comparison he kept coming back to was NASCAR. It's like, he's like, NASCAR was this very regional sport. It used to be on ESPN all the time. Uh, it was one of the big four to a certain degree for a little while and now it's gone and it's like because nascar tried to modernize their fan base try to attract people into their into their viewing memberships that just didn't align culturally with what that sport is and he said that was the one thing that worried him about college football moving forward was potentially kind of cultivating this Maybe he just kept saying modernize. So in my mind, I'm reading that in like cult, trying to cultivate people who aren't fans into being fans, and then you end up losing touch with the people who are fans. Um, is there anything in your mind that you can kind of see like, oh, we're about to reach peak college football contracts, and then it's going to start going downhill from there? Or I mean, is there anything like fan base wise that you think is is the issue moving forward with this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I spoke with Braden Gall actually to 
<laughs> to pimp the uh, Patreon again. Uh, I don't know, Patreon show last or no, pardon me, it was our free show, but yeah. subscribe to Patreon anyway. Anyway, yeah, I mean, we talked about this and, and you know, kind of went round and round about it. I mean, here's the thing what, what I look at, you know, in terms of engagement, right? You look at even at OU, you look at the student section or Alabama, you look at the student section, right? I mean, you know, kids engaging with a team or a program via television is just a lot different than cultivating diehard fans who, you know, want to spring for when they, when they graduate or willing to donate and want to spring for uh, season tickets and want to do the bowl trips and want to go to the away games and all that, uh, you know, that's the part where I, I don't know how, like, since there are no owners, it's not like the NFL, right? There are no owners of college football teams. So who's responsible or who's going to be the stakeholder that is worried about, you know, kind of managing for the long haul and, 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 you know, cultivating those, those dedicated fans, you know, I mean, I brought up also with Braden, the idea, you know, that kids aren't playing football as much, you know, I mean, it's just not, and that's, I mean, clearly, in my opinion, driven by safety concerns uh, on the part of parents. But the point being, if kids aren't playing your game, there's just not as much, uh, you know, engagement or, you know, that type of um, enthusiasm about the sport. And you start looking at all the different options that you have for entertainment. Like the idea that college football can just become this NFL like blob you know where you know you treat the consumer in los angeles who doesn't really have any attachment to a program or thing the same way you treat you know uh, a consumer in oklahoma city or new york or chicago or birmingham like it's just i don't know it's kind of playing with fire in my opinion yeah i think that's i think we're about to start hearing the same hubbub that was happening in 2017 and 2018 COVID obviously put a big pause to this with 80 saying we're not, we're having a hard time getting people in these stadium. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. just, you, that, that, that noise is about to pick up again, even though the completely sold your soul to TV already. And you've only done it twice over now by allowing these conferences to completely destroy any sort of regional tie you may have. And especially like USC, I mean, and, and I mean, less USC, Let's say they're a, they're, they're a massive national brand, but UCLA. Are they really expecting those fans to travel <laughs> yeah. now to these new places they have to play? I mean, the big, the, you know, the new Big 12. I mean, it's just there's so much movement and so much of this. It's just going to be really tough on them, uh, especially on the fan bases and things of that nature. And some of the stuff they talk about needing to fix, I think it's just idiotic. It's like, oh, we need better Wi-Fi. It's like, yeah, who the, these these students are just drunk. They don't care about Wi-Fi. I mean, maybe the, <laughs> the press box guys do or whatever, but they just want make it to where it doesn't cost three hundred dollars for me to walk into that stadium. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how you do that. Make it to or, where a hot dog yeah. isn't thirty dollars. I mean, like, how? Stop trying to cold coal every single penny out of my soul, and I bet you can get a lot more people into these stadiums. Or, you know, the, the thing I brought up with Braden, the thing that always sh- just irks me every time is when, you know, OU's got to play a game on Labor Day weekend at 2.30 in the afternoon when it's going to be 110 degrees. <laughs> like, that's just not for fans, you know? I mean, 
obviously you want to kick that kind of thing off at night, but you know, t- since TV calls all the shots, they tell you play it. You're going to play on FS1 at 3:30 or 2:30 in the afternoon. That's what you're going to do. I mean, it's just that's just the way it's got to be. Um, though, yeah, those are the kinds of decisions I look at where I'm just thinking like this isn't fan friendly. You know, this isn't this isn't necessary. Uh, you know, it's great for me because I can watch on TV, but it's not really doing anything to like build to engage the community around the university and really the state of Oklahoma, you know? Yeah. I haven't been able to watch an OU kickoff game um, in 12 years. I mean, I work for the truck Nation, So we have a, we have our Labor Day festival and uh, I just have to work. It's so yeah. that, that part that I'm outside in a hundred degree heat with a camera <laughs> hands filming stuff all day long. So that part of it sucks, but we have a giant like outdoor screen. I, I can drive by it every once in a while on a golf cart and like keep track. Um, <laughs> I remember the, the Houston game. I was like, I saw Joe Mixon catch and touchdown the cool pass to start off the game. I was like, oh, sweet. We're going to roll Houston. And then I learned three hours later, it's not quite not how so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now that I've been able to go to more and more games and go last year doing the hotel gate scene and everything like that, it's just, I don't know. It feels, it just feels a little different. It feels like, it feels like there should be something more like, it, like mm-hmm. maybe, I mentioned like peak TV, maybe peak stadium going experience has passed us. Could be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, all that talk to kind of going into our, our, our random notes here. Uh, we have a little bit of uh, tidbits and stuff. Uh, did you guys see the NCAA uh, legal argument for not paying the players? Matt, did you get a chance to see that? I did not. I think I might have seen it from you. Is it the Thirteenth Amendment? Something the that 13th they brought up. Thirteenth Amendment. Yep. Yep. Yes, correct. Uh, Alan, do you, would you could you give us a slight history lesson about what the Thirteenth Amendment is? I believe the Thirteenth Amendment abolished slavery. It did. Congratulations! <laughs> and, uh, and all and everyone out there, that's what Thirteenth Amendment did: uh, abolish slavery and uh, involuntary servitude, uh, except for as a punishment as of a crime. Uh, but somehow the NCAA was able to kind of legally kind of get in there to say also college athletes. <laughs> so Yeah, uh, that part, I was just, why in the world would you even go there? I mean, I get that you're a lawyer or whatever, but like, and you're looking for anything to hang your hat on, but from making these kinds of arguments, but why in the world would you pick that one? Um, it, it seemed very strange and, Again, as uh, you guys have never listened to him because he's on the Patreon stuff, if you haven't subscribed to our Patreon, Rob Bowen always says, the NCAA is not some shadowy organization. The NCAA is just the schools themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so you re- we really can't say, oh, look how dumb the NCAA is. No, it's also your favorite school. <laughs> yeah. usually has some sort of awareness of what these legal arguments are going to be uh, and everything that way as well. But it just, it, it I mean, do we think pain I, I i have my understanding of it does does paying these players destroy college sports i mean it's this title nine become irrelevant that's another thing i always hear we can't pay them because of title nine we can't pay this because that you know bankrupts the, the water polo team and all that type of stuff i mean or do we even care about it i mean it just seems so strange they're going to basically prove South Park right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, student athletes. Uh, <laughs> prove them right completely just to get out of tr- having to pay them 
while you have people like Joe C saying stuff, I mean, Joe Casillion, let's put respect on his name. Uh, yeah, he's not a, he's not a fruit drink. Uh, <laughs> saying they need to unionize uh, and then let's get this going, get a CBA and let's get it going. But you've got the NCAA with their legal team pointing to literal slavery to keep from paying this stuff. I mean, is it that bad structurally? I mean, they've, they've relied on this system and these arguments they've held onto this for so long. It's just, you know, I think it's just the kind of deal where they're going to have to literally be told you have to do this. You must do this before uh, you'll see them really uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, come up with any type of solution or plan i i just they they're going to be have to be dragged kicking and screaming to it matt what do you think are you are you pro or uh, against slavery i think i'm going to go with <laughs> and i think i speak for all of us here on this podcast i think we'll come out and say we are anti-slavery on this podcast indeed so brave so brave. very brave of us we're really going out on limbs <laughs> we're going out on limbs here uh yeah, it, it it seems like such a strange way of doing this stuff. It's I mean, it, and it's especially if you're if you guys are listening to any like sort of like legal talks and stuff. You know, Ted Cruz was saying some stuff. Oh, look at what he just said about some Supreme Court decisions. It's just when these really nerdy like legal dudes start looking at stuff. It just makes me think like just stop looking at every single word beat by beat and start looking at how these decisions are causing issues like long term or whatever. Uh, but right now, it just seems like we're getting more and more, I don't know, more and more of these like too many damn nerds are running, <laughs> are running stuff. And I think well, that's just the issue. like too many, too many lawyers just, you know, always looking for instead of just saying, well, here's what we should do. It's like, well, legally I can, or I cannot do this. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And then I posted in the discord channel, uh, the uh, Southeast Oklahoma noodling Bigfoot uh, article. Did you guys read that by any chance? I will not blame you if you didn't. I can give you the rundown. Yes. Um, Lay it on me. Give me the rundown. Lay it on you. Uh, so uh, it does seem a few years back, I uh, cannot remember the town. I'm trying to find it. Uh, anyway, uh, there was an argument in southeast Oklahoma between two grown men uh, who were both noodlers. And uh, for those who are unaccustomed, noodling is when you put your hand in a hole underwater uh, in hopes that a catfish is in there. And that said catfish bites your hand. Uh, and then you pull catfish out of the hole. Uh, that's what noodling is. Southeastern Oklahoma, uh, Oklahomans love doing this. Uh, myself, I've never done it. I'm scared of putting my hands in holes uh, underwater. Uh, but two, uh, two noodlers got into an argument about, uh, about Bigfoot. And uh, <laughs> uh, again, you're we're really getting into some Southeastern, David, I'm so sorry. Uh, really getting some Southeastern Oklahoma talk here. Um, and it led to one of them killing the other one and then trying to use him as bait to catch Bigfoot. Uh, just recently, the guy fessed up to it. Um, and um, according to the article, it appears that there were some uh, illicit uh, drug activity between the two. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the article here happened. right now. Yeah, see, <laughs> someone would seem to be under the influence of illegal drugs. It's like, yeah, what sorry, was your first step to off? Be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's, not, let's not speak out of turn here. We, I, you know. He might not have allegedly. been on allegedly on drugs. I mean, to be fair, it says, he, yeah, he had outstanding <laughs> warrants and drug related cases. Huh, okay. And he was well, caught bringing uh, meth into the county jail after <laughs> public intoxication. OK, so drugs, so. it's it's possible. It's probable, probable, yes. probable. Yeah, probable. that he yeah. was on drugs. OK, fair yeah. enough. 
Shout out Southeast yeah. Oklahoma. It's a different yeah, from, world. It's a different from world. The, from the legal talk we just had, it's probable or not going to guess <laughs> versions. <laughs> uh, I, I, anytime I can see something like that, I want to make sure that Oklahomans can have their chance to compete against the Florida man uh, as much as we can. Uh, because trust us, Oklahoma's ready for SEC when it comes to this stuff. I mean, <laughs> we've got stories like no one else does. Oh, have no fear. Yes, indeed. Well, guys, that's everything I had on the rundown, on the run of show. It's a, a quick, tight show, uh, this thing. I'm it's sorry to drag it out. I'm sorry to drag it out. I have one more, one more tidbit. Um, Oklahoma softball adds another, <laughs> adds another transfer. A grab yes. transfer from Texas A&M. Uh, she was an All-American, so uh, yeah. she was a catcher, first baseman, uh, hit over 400 the past two seasons, <laughs> and uh, hit 40 home runs combined the past two seasons. So, uh, rich get richer, Queen Patty, mm-hmm. just stacking, stacking the chips. And who did, what school did that, that did she transfer in from? A&M, Texas yes. A&M. Uh, it, it does seem that OU is going to be on top of it for a while. Now I think OU has transferred in two potential catchers at this point in time. So that might be something to look at. Maybe some of you will be depart departing. Maybe again, no, no uh, clear evidence there. Another one was also a first baseman. She was a, the PAC 12 freshman of the year um, (laughs) from Arizona state who also hit over 400. So I think, I think Patty, I think they'll be all right again next year. Guys, you've already heard first. We covered everything. Media days, recruiting, uh, Bigfoot, softball, noodling. You really can't get much more else uh, from anybody else, except if you were to join the Patreon for $4 a month. You get really cool stuff. Uh, I get to talk to little B people. Alan's bringing in big-time names to talk (laughs) (laughs) and and get some nice one-on-one interviews from a a distinct OU perspective. Um, It's something we uh, like to do here. And as always, we are uh, powered by, sponsored by, as you heard from the top of the show, uh, Vanessa House. We'll be doing some live shows there once the season uh, actually happens for home games. Uh, you can try some of the slush fund and the 401k. Uh, I think the 401k is your favorite, Matt. The 401k and the destination wedding. Destination both of those, wedding. Both of those are really right. good. Uh, and I think even Alan had mentioned that maybe, just maybe, there could be a gamey circles. Maybe. No promises, but no promises, maybe. But maybe. maybe. Uh, uh, and if that's everything we've got, guys, uh, Listeners, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Uh, we've been kind of rolling through this stuff. I know we um, it, the, the biggest story this, this month or this last few weeks was the recruiting. We kind of skimmed through that, but that's not what, what we're really here known for. Uh, we're known for talking about OU from a cooler, different type of perspective, in my opinion. Um, uh, but if that's it, uh, Matt. Boomer. Sooner. Sooner.